the memo and the alleged election scheme. The New York Times has obtained this previously secret memorandum that could be central to the prosecutor's case against Donald Trump. It's a key piece of evidence that is talked about in the indictment, and it describes the alleged conspiracy to appoint fake electors after the 2020 election. The document, which has not previously ever been seen, explains and goes into detail how this could swing the election, the actions they would take in this memo, and if not that, at least muck things up and buy the Trump team more time. The memo was written by lawyer Kenneth Cheesebro. He's listed as co-conspirator number five in the election interference indictment. And remember that none of the co-conspirators that are named in the indictment have been charged. CNN's Jessica Schneider, she's following this. It is very interesting what is coming out in this memo. Walk us through what is what you see. Yeah, it's interesting. It's revealing. And of course, it is known to prosecutors. It will likely be a key part of their case. And it really lays out that even the man outlining this fake electors plot, Kenneth Cheesebro, this is his memo, he knew it was far-fetched, knew it was likely illegal, but he kept pushing this plan. And it's clear that Cheesebro really wanted to create confusion in hopes that the fake electors could, in fact, be substituted for the real electors on January 6th. This was a plot that he planned to execute through the vice president, Mike Pence, in Mike Pence's role as president of the Senate. And that way, he believed Trump's team could then, you know, steal the election. So this is a six-page memo where Cheeseboro lays out the court challenges that were happening in the states and then talks about the Supreme Court potentially getting involved, putting it this way, saying, even if, in the end, the Supreme Court would likely end up ruling that the power to count the votes does not lie with the president of the Senate, but instead lies with Congress, letting matters play out this way would guarantee that public attention would be riveted on the evidence of electoral abuses by the Democrats and would also buy the Trump campaign more time to win litigation that would deprive Biden of electoral votes and or add to Trump's column. I recognize what I suggest is a bold, controversial strategy. And now this bold strategy really does seem to be at the heart of this indictment against the former president. This memo will play a key part in the case. And Kate, it's really a case that is moving forward at a fast clip. We got word last night that there will be that hearing on Friday morning about prosecutors' plan to restrict which evidence Trump and his team uh, can get and then share once prosecutors have handed it over. So we're seeing a very active judge in this case with Tanya Chutkin, who's really taking control of this case very early on in the process. That hearing scheduled for 10 a.m. Friday, just about two days from now. Kate. All right, with us now is CNN Chief Legal Analyst, where's the camera? CNN Chief Legal Analyst, Laura Coates. Laura, so important that we have to talk to you together here. Look, we hadn't seen this memo before, but we knew some of the details. Kenneth Cheesebro, who is one of the co-conspirators, lists out the plot on faked electors. Why is this legally significant? Well, first of all, that's going to be a meme, the where's the camera, and I'm all here for it. I love the fact that just happened. It was very, very wonderful. I know you're such a great guy. But there's the, the notion here where you think about why this is so significant, of course, is because, one, we did not have this information available to the public back during the January 6th congressional hearings. We did not know about it. It was referenced in last week's indictment, which, of course, then titillated everyone to figure out, well, what is this about and where is this going? The real significance here is that one of the main defenses being floated by Donald Trump and his team is this notion of the advice of counsel. He was acting under the advice of counsel. And you can, of course, ignore the fact that people like Attorney General Bill Barr and other really top prosecutors 
prosecutors who he'd appointed gave different advice, but he seemed to be hanging his hat on this. This seems to go beyond, though, the notion of let's think about this within the confines of what is lawful. This appeared to be, as Jessica laid out, according to the memo, a notion of trying to buy time in a way that is not a genuine application or evaluation of what is possible under the law or according to the Constitution. And the fact that he seems to be one of the co-conspirators outlined in this indictment, although not yet named, appears to contemplate that the Jack Smith special counsel team sees this as more than simply throwing something against the wall and seeing if it will stick, but instead part of an orchestrated plot to try to obstruct, to conspire, and try to undermine the election results. And Laura, I'm fa I'm fascinated with a couple elements of the memo in a couple different places where he, I'm, I've been calling him caveats, he, where he writes like, I'm not necessarily advising this course of action. And he also saying in another mm -hmm. place, I recognize that what I suggest is a bold controversial strategy and that there are many reasons why it might not end up being executed on January 6th. Do you think, does this protect Kenneth Cheesebro? Does this offer cover for Donald Trump with regards to this memo or neither? I mean, there ought to be a course in law school on the best ways to hedge, because that's all throughout this entire memo. Of, I'm not saying this. I'm articulating it nonetheless. This is something that might be controversial. I'm articulating it nonetheless. This is part of what is going to be used as the defense here for the very reasons you say, because there are some who are arguing this is all a matter of scholarly debate. Anytime you're in the wild, wild west and there is new information and you do not have the factual predicate that we have had in the past with this new notion, it suggests that you'll be able to say, I'm just opining about things. I'm evaluating this. The biggest issue, though, is going to be how and to what degree it was followed. Is there corroborating evidence to try to suggest that it was more than that? And the language inserted in the memorandum was not about trying to give an objective analysis and evaluation, but rather a blueprint to criminal conspiracy and otherwise um, criminal activity. But the big thing in terms of Donald Trump will be, Kate, of course, does this suggest that he actually saw this memo? Memos written between counsel does not necessarily mean that it actually got to the underlying client. If he was able to rely on it, if he was aware of it, if he saw it, if he heeded it and followed it precisely, or was it something floating in the universe? That will be part of what the burden of proof will be from Jack Smith and his team. But again, that advice of counsel notion is going to be a part of it, and it sets up a really interesting antagonistic dynamic between Donald Trump's attorneys and himself, because the last thing you want is to have your attorneys testifying against you about what they really said, did not say, or about what you knew, because then that whole privilege issue of the attorney-client privilege really can be pierced more readily. Look, well, they got privilege out of the investigation. One would think they'll make yeah. similar arguments at trial to try to remove that privilege there. Laura, I want to go back to one thing you said, and I want to paraphrase both you and what is in this memo here. Basically, Cheeseboro writes, even if this gets overturned in the Supreme Court, even if it is not deemed legal, it buys us time. Mm -hmm. Does this case come down to the even if it's illegal part there? Him saying, admitting that it might get overturned, but it's still worth doing because it will obstruct the hearing. 
Well, two points. One, ethically, attorneys are owed and offer, must provide a duty of candor to the court, and they must make arguments that are sound, that are legally sustainable, and that might have some nuance to it and things that you could actually discuss with the court about the parameters, but you ought not to ever be making things just to simply buy time. It is unethical behavior on the one hand. On the second hand, of course, if you have advised your client that there is something legally unsound or that it will not be sustained, not because it's something that you're not sure how the Supreme Court will rule or a, or a lower appellate court or even the court before you in that instance, if you are already signaling that this does not have legal merit, but it can nonetheless be used to buy time and also to pique the interests of the electorate, that might fall under the conspiracy as alleged. Laura Coates, great to see you, Laura. Thank you.